you would figure after a year off of doing this podcast, if we want to even really call it a podcast, that I might have like learned a bit better, but I'm not. And there's no intro music. There's no real intro. It's Making Sparkles. It's my podcast. It's where I get to rant and rave about the things I'm working on or things that are on my mind. Um, and I'm calling this Pickle Rick Part 2 because I can. Um, as you can hear in the background, New York City is very loud <laughs> today. Um, I'm not in a studio. I'm in my home because that's where a lot of my premixes have been going. Um, I've got an acoustic album coming out next month. I'm currently working on the full real version of the album, and I will get into all of that and more, but it's scattered because I don't I don't really know where to where begin, right? Where where do we begin, kids? What do we do? You gotta keep talking. That you know, every time an actor pauses, a sparrow dies, which is also why I'm not an actor. So anyway, um, Way, way back in the beginning of this kind of series, I called this Making Sparkles because I was deciding to try to work on a musical called Sparkle Pony Bear. And if you've gone back through all the episodes, you saw all the trials and tribulations and all the craziness. And then I finally kind of took a break and I stopped all of that madness and I kind of went back to my roots and I just started working on instrumental work. Um with a focus on string quartets. And then <laughs> I spent the better part of a year writing a full album's worth of string quartet music. But before I even worked on that, to kind of figure out what I was doing, I put out an EP, which is just like a four track um, set of string quartet stuff called The Book of Arius. So, so where we kind of left off, I believe, because I'm too lazy to go back and, you know, who has time for that shit? Uh, <laughs> so when we last went back, I think Book of Arius had come out and I was trying to figure out what was going to happen and what I was going to do next. And there are some considerable life things that have happened. So I think we can just kind of get into that. I think first and foremost, the most exciting part is that I've got my all-female string quartet back. Um, I've also added, I started working with the amazing Crystal Girez, um, who is just an amazing audio engineer with Platinum Recording Studios. She and I have actually been in pre-production for the better part of like eight or nine months, just gearing up to record and track and work on this crazy fucked up string quartet album I've been doing for what feels like years now. Um, and it's been going really well. Uh, so I think about two months ago, she and I went into GSI Recording Studios in here in Manhattan, over in Koreatown. Well, it's not really Koreatown, even though they say that. I think it's more like the fashion district. Anyway, GSI, it was, it was, it's a great studio for tracking. Um, it's a little pricey, if you ask me, but kind of, uh, I've always been a bit of a hooker on a budget. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, if you got a, a lot of money to spend, GSI is great. If you're on a budget, you got to squeeze some stuff. Um, but I think it was mainly beneficial 
because Crystal actually knew the main tech guy that was there. So, so we were a little bit more comfortable with our very crazy mic setups. Um, to record the string quartet, I think we finally settled on, similar to the 14 mic array we did with the Book of Arius. And I can't remember if I talked about that or not. But anyway, so, and I, again, I'm getting ahead of myself because that's what I do. And I want to sum this up, take a little break, get some actual stuff done, and then come back. So <laughs> what happened was, so I recorded, I, I wrote the album for the strings. And the album itself actually is a little bit unique because it's, originally based off the very first album called Minutra Moutier, which I wrote back in 2007. And when I wrote that album, it was violin, cello, accordion, piano bells. The problem was I never got the masters for it. It was an album that was recorded to tape and then dumped to digital. But this is 2007 era, so things weren't very streamlined, not very standardized. The studio we were in wasn't really a studio. It was in San Diego in like a garage. And its claim to fame was Blink-182's rehearsal room was like next door to it. <laughs> and that was good. And, and it was crucial for me because it was my first foray into just getting in and actually recording and finishing something I think up to that point I'd been doing some side gigs I'd done some like tracking like I, as a pianist and a keyboardist I did a little bit of here and there but I never really had my own project with my own team of musicians and just recorded something straight through uh, it's an album that I was always really proud of but no masters so and the only tracks I had were the the mp3 files so couple years ago I was like oh it'd be great to finally put that on Spotify but then I realized oh well there's no way I'm going to do this like the, these tracks are just so degraded from being compressed to an mp3 and never were really truly mixed or mastered so I kind of like always want it was always my bucket list to get back to that and so I thought it would be a great opportunity um to just re-record that. And that was the original intent. I was just going to take the entire album in 2007, just rearrange it a little bit for a string quartet, record it, and be done with it. And the original was like seven tracks, I think, and it wasn't a very long album. And what came of it was I was realizing how much I'd evolved and changed as a writer, as a producer. <clears throat> and all of these experiences kind of informed me in a way that I was like, well, if we're going to do this, let's fucking do this. Oh my God, Siri just went off. I, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> oh, this is such a ramshackle. So that's kind of where I was at is just at this place of like, okay, originally I was like, eh, I'll just kind of futz around. And then it became this behemoth thing where that's always my MO. I start really small and then it just... Balloons. So what was like originally seven track, by the time I, before I'd even got to Crystal, it was already turning out to be like a 14, 15 track album. And, and there was a bunch of new songs and the songs that were originally on the album had been completely rewritten and gutted and all of this. And then enters Crystal. And with Crystal, it was kind of like, 
the recording spirit animal of just pushing me. Like she just constantly was pushing me to, to just don't care about what other people think. What do you want to do? How experimental do you want to get? And that's when I discovered my affinity for guitar pedals. And so, and I started to experiment a little bit with the pedals on the Book of Arius, but it was Crystal who, again, if anyone is looking for a, for a mixer or an audio engineer, and she does her mixing services actually um, remotely. So as long as you have a Pro Tools file, she can mix it. And she's actually, her rates are amazingly reasonable. Um, her credits include everything from like Little Kim to obviously me to... Um, that, that one guy from Dear Evan Hansen, <laughs> like she's run the gambit. She went to NYU. Like she's amazing, fierce. And through her pushing up me, we decided instead of going straight to the string quartet, let's work on these kind of like piano tracks. And I think that's where we left off. I think I started sharing those on the last episode a year ago, which is going to show you how far we've kind of come. And I think... For me, anyway, it, she just had such a nurturing but also kind of explorative kind of demeanor about her that it really felt me made me feel safe. So long story short, a thousand dollars worth of effects pedals later, <laughs> we've really started to kind of crack open the shell. So what we decided was, and I'm going to ramble a little bit and kind of go all over the place, but you expect that if you're actually listening to this. So... What we did was, I've always been inspired by the band The Velvet Teen, and they did this one album, and of course, I should have fucking looked it up, but Velvet Teen did this album, you know, after the famous one um, was uh, On Fierce Parade, and then the one I really loved was Elysium. I think it was Elysium, but then they did a one after that where they wrote all the songs as like true pop songs. But then when they went in the studio, they completely broke it and turned it into this super distorted, awesome, like sonic, just craziness. And so I'd always really enjoyed that. And I was always like, that's what I should do. And I think, especially after talking to Crystal, because, you know, Crystal, full-time, award-winning audio engineer, it was kind of like, well, who the fuck cares if anyone's going to listen to this? Let's just do it. Just push it. So we really kind of <laughs> we kind of broke the mold. So we spent a year of like pre-production. We worked on a couple of the just solo piano, experimental kind of uh, electric keyboard tracks. There were two of them that we kind of put out, put it out as an EP. And then we started to work on how can we take this string quartet shit, track it as pristinely as possible, 88.2 kilohertz, 24 bit, and then take that and then completely break it apart, pump it through a bunch of effects pedals, add some looping techniques, add some reversing and all these different things just to try to really show what was going on, like what I really kind of was intending in my head. And I think so far the fruits of our label labor have been pretty awesome because instead of just having one album, now we have two and where we're at right now was that, so we had the, the usual suspects, the string quartet came in and they, they spent the day tracking, um, you know, 
anyone that's ever tracked a string quartet, it's like tracking an entire album in one day is absurd. But I think with my process, I kind of like mistakes because I feel like mistakes are always opportunities to explore other tangents in a song. So with my amazing string quartet, all female, helmed by Kaylee Drain on the cello, we, we tracked everything. And then Crystal and I spent the better part of the past like two months just mixing it. And, and we kind of ended up putting this into two separate tracks. So there was one, one track where we were just trying to get like a really good acoustic mix of the, just the tracking, right? Because you have to edit. So it's like one song may have had like eight passes on it. And then in those eight passes are little gems of little pieces of everything, right? So you're constantly like, the editing process on that was fun, but super, super arduous because it was like, okay, on this take, they did really great from measure 14 to 15. So we'll splice that to this take of that and kind of mix it together. Also really important to know, there was no click track. Um, I think there was just one song, and we'll get into it later, because I've got a couple tracks in there that might have vocals on them, because I'm fucking nuts. Um, so there was only one track that ever was really on click, um, but even that, I think we ended up going with the one, the takes that weren't on click. So, so it's a super organic, just very raw sound. And originally, we just did the acoustic versions, because we needed to have a really good sounding bass line of what we were going to do to break it. And it was actually Crystal that came up with the idea. She was listening and we were mixing and we got these things finalized. And she's like, this is an album. Like, why don't we put it out? Why don't we let everyone kind of hear what it sounds like and what we started with since it really is its own album? Um, and so, so that is actually currently it's available on SoundCloud and it's in, available on Bandcamp, both under my username, T-C-C-R-O-S-S-E-R. Um, if you're listening to my podcast on SoundCloud, then you're already there. But anyway, <laughs> um, and even with the SoundCloud version, I was, I was really proud because what I did was I posted and replaced each track as we did another pass. So it was like one week you would get just the raw, like very unedited, just kind of this is what we have to start with. And slowly I would replace them with different drafts until we finally got to the final version. And then on the final version, I just kind of locked it. And then I took Crystal's advice and I went to CD Baby and I was like, all right, bitch, we are going to fuck up pump this up on the Spotify and iTunes and Amazon and anywhere else you would stream music. So I set that as a target release date of like July 27th or something like that, just because, I mean, I kind of pulled it out of a hat, but, <laughs> um, and that, that, that will be coming out and that you can already hear. Um, and we did that in tandem while we were already starting to kind of figure out kind of our workflow on the actual songs. So what we started with was we started with one song that was originally titled Tea Party, which, because again, mind you, this was back in 2007. So this is before Tea Party was, you know, <laughs> had the connotations that it does today. Um, and so we started with that track. We took the 14 mic array Pro Tools, all cleaned up, 
And then I just started from my home studio, just pumping it through effects puddles, figuring out, um, you know, like, oh, I'm grabbing it right now. Like I've got the Echo Puss by Way Huge George Tripp's pedal, right? So, so I love that Echo Delay because it's just got this bounce to it. Or Earthquaker Devices Arpanoid pedal, where as long as you have a sustained note, it will automatically turn it into kind of an oscillating, kind of MIDI sounding thing. Or Afterneath, another Earthquaker Devices pedal that kind of like adds this level of just fucked up reverb. We even threw on a slash pedal, like the guitar slash has a bass pedal that just, I, I just like, I'm dumbfounded at how awesome it sounds. Um, since I'm already listing them, you know, I've got an, Ab an Ibanez TS9 Tube Screamer. Um, and then I think there's a couple others, but the other one I really loved was the Avalanche run by Earthquaker because it's a stereo in out reverb pedal. That's just awesome. And, in, and so we did this. So I did this all in the home studio just to kind of plug it through. And then I started tweaking and like moving the tracks around, adding a little bit of reverb, adding some reverse function, like just kind of like took the original and treated it more like a ball of clay and just started molding it into the song that it, it now is starting to become. And so at some point my rambling, I'm hoping to kind of show you the evolution of the track, starting with the original raw and then the home studio version. And then once we had it a good solid idea, uh, we recleaned up the Pro Tools file so that we could easily just put all of the tracks that had the different pedal things, reamp them through guitar amps and pedals in an actual studio. And for that, we went into Bunker Studios in Bushwick, Brooklyn, super cheap studio, really fucking awesome equipment. Our assistant that was helping us kind of just slept on the couch the whole time, so that was kind of a minus. And he didn't really understand the concept of ground wiring for amps, so there was a lot more work to be done with that, but you know what? You get what you paid for, and, and it was pretty stellar. So we spent a good solid day just reamping through, I think we had like three different amps. We had an Ampeg, a Fender, and a Vox for just different sounds and stuff. And then each amp itself had two different mics. And so we kind of set up this array, and we kind of treated the amps like they were their own instruments, and then just retract everything. So, so where we're at now is we've kind of just done a really dry pass of all of those amps, and now, later on in July, we're going to go into Crystal's new studio, which is still platinum, but they moved to Tribeca, and they put all this money into this brand new facility that just looks fucking baller. Um, and so now she and I will go back in and we will f officially mix that track. And the reason we only did one track was because we wanted to make sure that we weren't wasting a bunch of time if there were things that we realized we were missing in our workflow. So, so for you audiophiles, I can't impress upon you enough the importance of starting small but dreaming big, and then that way you can kind of track your progress and know how the rest of the tracks will come, right? So, so one track may take two months, 
But because you have the foundation, because you have everything kind of set up, you already kind of have an idea of where things go or what the process is. Now we can go back in and we can actually turn this into something unique and we can basically do four tracks at a time for each session, right? And we can kind of build on that. And then that way it's not so arduous where let's say we get all the tracks done and then we're like, ah, we need to kind of do this and this and this. Well, we have everything templated out in a way that it would be pretty easy for us to just go back into any one of the studios we're currently using and just kind of redo that, that bit or that process. So, uh, so far so good, fingers fucking crossed, but that, that's kind of where our workflow is. And obviously it's much slower than a normal process would be, but I figured... This isn't for a client. This isn't for anyone but Crystal and I. I mean, because Crystal's become fully ingrained in this after a year. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, well, well, I think we're all in this together. So here we go. Um, and so that that's where that's kind of sitting. Um, the album itself right now, I think we've got, if every track becomes something, it'll be a 17-track album. Um the actual acoustic album is much shorter. I think it's like, it's 10 tracks. So the acoustic album is just 10 tracks because we didn't want to give away everything that we were working on. And also it's like some things just don't translate because there's so much extra that we're putting into it, like extra piano or keyboards or effects and things that, that unfortunately an acoustic version just doesn't, it just doesn't translate it at all. So it's like, well, we only want to put the tracks that actually translate to some measure where you kind of hear what's going on. So in case anyone hears the acoustic and goes, well, what, what are these other focusive tracks? And I was like, well, hold your horses there, Jethro. It's because, you know, you don't give away the farm. God, that sounds stupid. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so at some point, I'm already at 22 minutes. Fuck me. So I think I will do that now. So this, <laughs> so this is going to be the tracked version at GSI. This is going to be what you're about to hear is the version that's going on the album. And so you will, so on the acoustic album that's out now. So this is no longer called Tea Party, but instead now is called, oh my God, I, hold on. I, cause I'm not gonna edit this out cause I'm inherently lazy. So this one is going to be called Chipped Cup and I'm just gonna play it. Yeah, so this is gonna be Chipped Cup um, and this will kind of give you an idea. So here is just the tracked version that you're gonna hear on the, the acoustic album, which is called Minotra Acoustique. And here it is.
And there you have it. So that is the acoustic track. So that was just tracked. So a couple of notes. Um, I purposely wanted it to sound super raw. So so there there is no real reverb added to it. Um, the only reverb you're really getting from that is actually from all the crazy room mics. And the room mics... Crystal, oh my god, I love her. She was like a kid in a candy store. Like, there were so many different mics and ribbon mics and all kinds of fun. Um, and if I had my Pro Tools session up, which I can't have because I'm recording this in Logic and I'm lazy, but so we used the room mics to kind of add a little bit of reverb. But what we did was because it, the reverb ish just by nature of the room mics, diffused so much, it was almost like it sounded like just laser beams cutting across, and I loved that. So that acoustic album is not for everyone. <laughs> In fact, I don't even know who it's really for, but um, it's because I just love raw, just kind of like almost not cringy, but I just, I love that kind of like focus sound. I think if you go to like any other kind of string quartet kind of thing, like even if you go on Spotify and you look up Emerson string quartet, you know, you hear a lot of reverb and they put the reverb in because, you know, string instruments themselves have a certain resonance that is very difficult and very complicated to EQ. And even when you EQ it, because you pick up so much of like the sound of the the bowing technique and like kind of the fingers or even the musicians breathing and I love that so I kind of cranked that up um so all the strings went through parallel compression <laughs> um and then on top of that I added other kind of like very slight kind of EQs so so it was much more an, of an additive than reductive process to track that also know that when so there was a fork in the road. So, so after tracking, we did our editing and our rough mix, and then we kind of verged it off. So, so in order to produce the actual acoustic album, there was an entire post-processing mastering kind of phase that we went through. Um, and I got a deal on Ozone 8, which is a really easy mastering tool that like kind of does all the work for you. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it on like more complicated albums, but because it was all in the same tenor, it's all strings and it's super raw anyway, I kind of went that route and I was really pleased with the results I got out of it. But just so y'all know, that's kind of like, that's what's going on. That was the process. So, so, so we kind of went, that was kind of our baseline material. The, the acoustic album is kind of like a thought exercise of, if I had no technology and only musicians, what's coming out of my head? And I think that that's pretty representative. Um, but now we get to add all the fun juice to it. And so with the fun juice, it's like all the different puddles I listed, a lot of different kind of reverse and weird techniques. Um, and it, it's... It's very freeing when you already know your workflow, right? So I've got it tracked and edited. 
now I'm going to add pedals and I'm going to experiment, right? So I had a Pro Tools session file where, and everything I do is shared through Dropbox Enterprise or Dropbox Business. So Crystal also in tandem has access and has her own files in the same category I do. So we are constantly editing, giving each other feedback, putting things in the comments section in Pro This is where, okay, so <laughs> I will say this right now. I... I am a Pro Tools convert. I love Logic. I'm recording this podcast in Logic. I think Logic is great as a composer's tool because it's so amazing at MIDI. But when it comes to actually recording and actually having a real workflow, Pro Tools, you just can't beat it. It's just hands down the best. And so, so yeah, it took me a good couple of months to learn Pro Tools. <laughs> but this is why I had Crystal, because Crystal was the one that was like, eh, it's time. She never pushed too hard, but she was like, it's time, honey. You need to figure out Pro Tools, because this is how we're going to work on an entire album. Like, this is going to be, like, no shit. Like, she and I have been working on this for a year. It'll probably be another full year before everything is said and done. And even then, I think that we'll be continuing to work on shit. Um, I mean, I pay her monthly now just because I was like, well, this is absurd. I can't pay you per track because these tracks are taking forever. So I'm just going to give you a monthly retainer and we'll figure it out. Um, and it's the best money I've spent so far this year. Like, just it's nice to have that. So, so we're in Pro Tools with these things. It's freeing because it's like, I know she's the only one that's having to deal with my madness. And also it's freeing because I know that we're going to go into a studio and do it for real anyway, which means anything I do, I can break, fuck up. I have all of the previous session. Like every time I start a draft, I don't use a playlist. I keep the playlist function just for the multi, you know, for the multi-track take, multi-takes, but I just open a new file. And then she does the same. Like every time she's like, okay, I'm going to really fuck some shit up. So I'm going to create a new Pro Tools file. And then we can kind of look at it and see what works. I also love Pro Tools' import session setting. Um, when I was doing the acoustic album, oh my God, it was so fucking, it was a lifesaver. Because, you know, I'm adding all these different kind of EQs and all these different parallel compression, all these different things. It's nice to do it to one, import it for all the rest of the, the Pro Tools sessions, and then be able to just do minor tweaks here and there to get it right. So that's kind of what happened. So anyway, so this is kind of, this is, this was the just completely in my, my own home studio patch bay with my pedals. Um, this is the draft that we started to work off of.
And there you have it. So, so that was what we kind of figured out and we pushed out. Um, if my audio sounds a little bit different, it's because I got lazy. I took off the headphones and I got the air conditioning on. Because if you're in New York right now, it is fucking hot. Whew. Yesterday was like high 80s. Right now, looking at my watch, it's 85 degrees. I know you southern folks are like, that's nothing. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. It is hot. So I'm running the AC and I can't use my headphones. But... I've got ozone nectar, so I'm going to see if that kind of cleans up my uh, voice audio, because I'm lazy. So, there you have it. So, that that was the version I came up with just purely at home. Um, I went back and forth, and I've decided not to post the rough edit of what we did at Bunker with the reamping yet, because... I'm going into Platinum Sound Recording Studios in Tribeca later this later next month to actually mix it to make it sound pretty. So I figure instead I'll just wait till then and then I can be like, look, isn't it awesome? And then everyone can clap and applaud. Um, we're already running at 40 minutes, so I'm just trying to think if there's anything else to say about all of this. Um, but I think that... That's the line share the work. That's what's been going on this entire time. Um, obviously, there's a lot more to it, and there's a lot more like weird idiosyncratic things. Um, I don't even know if I've been on this podcast since I got a dog. <laughs> I think. I'm pretty sure. Because I got Mitch like last year. So, sure. Anyway, the only reason I bring it up is because if you go on SoundCloud and you look at the album cover from a Notre Acoustique, it is an oil painting of my dog Mitch that I paid this artist $200 to paint. It's an oil painting. It's pretty fucking badass. So you'll see it there. Um, what else? I think that's it. I think, <laughs> I think I'm lazy. I think it's been many, many, many moons. It's been over a year. And sure, there's other gripes and things. Elizabeth Warren for president, um, all that. But I will leave it here. So, all right. Everyone take care. Have fun. Pickle Rick lives. Bye.